Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Kaiju Carnage. I am your host, Cal the Kaiju Guy. So, what's up, everybody? I've decided that today is the day to be debuting slash premiering slash whatever word you feel like choosing um, my third episode that I'm going to be doing. And I'm going to be covering a movie that is given to me by suggestion from my listeners um, every other Monday on my long weekend whenever I'm off. So today was, it was given to me by one of my listeners and, uh, he and I have become decently good friends and all that at this point in time. His name is Jason Cavanaugh and he and I, you know, we message each other a pretty good bit talking about like older films and, and all that, not just tokusatsu or kaiju films or anything like that. We're both big fans of movies that were made in the decades of like the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, things like that, because I grew up watching films like that, even though I'm only, I'll be 36 next month, I did grow up watching these old classic movies because of my Pentecostal background. My mother was always of the mind of back when, you know, movies like that were being made, censorship was so high that they couldn't show many, many things. Like, they could barely show blood. Uh, cussing was very, very frowned upon and all of that uh, in movies and all that in certain decades. And then once we get, you get to, like, the, the late 50s to 60s to 70s, that's whenever swearing and nudity and all that stuff started becoming much more common in films. But films of, like, the 30s and the 40s, early 50s and all that kind of stuff, like, you know, it just... Not a whole lot of that was going on or anything. And so she was always of the mind of, you can watch as many of those as you want because they're clean. They're good. She knew they were going to basically be family friendly just simply because of how strict much of the censorship was back then and all that. So I grew up watching older films and all that, as you guys know. That's how I was introduced to Tokusatsu as a child. That's how I was introduced to... Uh, Ray Harryhausen. It's how I was introduced to, you know, famous comedy teams like the Marx Brothers, uh, Abbott and Costello, the Three Stooges, things like that. I grew up watching these types of films and all that. Probably whenever I was a child, I probably watched more black and white films than I did uh, color films. You know, so that's that's kind of weird to to think about that. But um, so today. I'm going to be talking about a film called Curse of the Undead. And it came out in 1959. I watched it on Tubi. It is available on Tubi. Uh, you have to watch it with ads, obviously, because that is what uh, that particular platform, how it operates. Like, you know, it gets, gets its money from ads and all of that kind of stuff. But everything that's in the app is 100% free. You don't have to pay for anything. So <clears throat> that's... Uh, how I ended up watching the film, and it is a horror western film. Now, whenever Jason first told me about the film, he told me that it was the first vampire western film, and I'm not saying that uh, I didn't believe you, Jason, you know, I just, I like to verify everything that, that I can and all that, and I couldn't find anything that like concrete stated that this was the first vampire western film, but let's be honest here. I'm pretty sure the vampire western genre is pretty small. And I can't think of any other film that's a vampire western that predates this one. So I think it would be safe to say that this is, yes, the first vampire western movie. And so I watched it yesterday because I was also off yesterday. And, uh, you know, got on Tubi and watched it. And I've got to say, I really, really enjoyed it. I mean, like, really enjoyed it. It's legitimately a good movie. Like, whenever I went into it, <clears throat> I was kind of... I wouldn't say I was expecting not to like it, but I went in with very low expectations because a lot of these older films, and, I, you know, just a lot of films in general, can sound very, very good on paper. But then whenever you actually see the execution of it, <laughs> it can be pretty rough. And so I was like, mm, you know, how, 
well can a Western horror with a vampire as the bad guy, like how well can that translate onto the big screen? But I was looking forward to it because um, of a ser- the, the, the different types of movies that I grew up watching. One, I grew up watching the Universal Monsters. So we're talking about the Universal versions of Dracula starring uh, Bela Lugosi, the crossover uh, that Bela did with uh, Abbott and Costello called Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein. The various crossovers that uh, the Universal Monsters did in which Dracula had something to do with like the Wolfman and Frankenstein. You know, he would cross over into those franchises and all of that. So I was very familiar <clears throat> with watching old classic vampire films. But then also, I told you guys about my mom that she let us watch older things because they were clean and all of that. Well, her favorite genre of film slash TV show slash whatever are westerns. And so I grew up watching a mess ton of western movies and TV shows. I grew up watching Gunsmoke and Bonanza and Cheyenne, Big Valley. You know, like, I mean, I just, I grew up watching that kind of stuff. I've seen... Not all of them, I wouldn't imagine, because I'm sure there's some out there that I just am unaware of. But um, I would be comfortable in saying I've seen about 95% of John Wayne's Western films. I've seen a chunk, you know, uh, Rawhide. I grew up watching Rawhide. Uh, The Lone Ranger, I grew up watching that. Like, I've seen many, many Westerns. And so, not only have I seen many, many Westerns, I've seen many classic horror films like the Universal Monsters and things like that. So to slap those two genres together, I was like, this could potentially be pretty cool for me. Especially because it came out during a, around that same time period, 1959 and all that. So I was like, okay, let's check it out. So I started the film and it just, it, it gets right into it. You know, there's not a whole lot of opening credits or anything like that. You know, it just jumps right into the movie. And... It sets the tone very, very quickly for the film. I'm going to go on ahead and I'm going to try and do as little spoilers as I possibly can. Because while spoilers mean absolutely nothing to me, I know that there are people out there that do not care for spoilers. And I don't know if you guys are planning on going and watching this film um, just because Jason suggested it to me. And now I'm suggesting it to you guys because it's legitimately a good movie in my opinion. But, um... It sets the tone very, very quickly. There's, there's a decently high kill count in this film. Like, and kills that come out of nowhere. Like, oh, wow. Like, you know, there are certain characters that die and you just sit there and like, oh, dang. Like, I, I wasn't expecting him to go, you know? <laughs> like, so it sets the tone very, very quickly. I mean, like, within like the first five minutes of the film, it lets you know exactly what type of movie that you're watching, which I love that. I love movies that do that. It does something that gets you hooked straight from the, from the get go. It keeps you interested and you continue watching and all that. I'm not a big fan of like, I don't want to use the term slow burn movies because there are some slow burn movies out there that I really, really enjoy. But I do not like movies that just, for no reason whatsoever, just drag on and drag on and drag on. And literally nothing is happening. And it's like, you know, like, come on, cut to the chase. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like let's, let's, uh, let's do this. But it, uh, it set the tone very, very quickly for what type of movie this was going to be. And, yeah. I watched it from start to finish, finished it in one, in one sitting, you know, sometimes whenever I'm, uh, whenever I'm off, like it just, I I feel like I get antsy if I'm just sitting down in my recliner, just watching, um, one movie or one TV show too long or something like that. So I'll, uh, you know, I'll pause it and I'll get up and I'll go do, do something or whatever I've watched. I've started watching a movie, stop it midway through, go outside, cut the grass, come back in, take a shower. And after all that is done, like, okay, it's time to finish my movie. You know, like I just, I get antsy. Like you, you guys don't see me whenever I'm recording this podcast, 
but I'm constantly shifting around in my chair. Like as of right now, I'm twirling my foot around. I make lots of different hand gestures whenever I'm speaking and all of that. Like I'm, I'm doing it right now as if there's somebody right in front of me and I'm speaking to them. I just did a hand gesture as if somebody was right in front of me. You know, so I mean, I get antsy. I move around a lot and all of that kind of stuff. That's just, that's just me. It's hard for me to sit still. I'm one of those guys that is constantly like tapping my foot or something like that. Like it's just, it's very difficult for me. So that should let you know how into this movie I was that I was basically like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not getting up. I'm not taking a break. I'm not doing anything like I'm going to sit right here and finish out this film. Um, though I will say like, you need to kind of already be a fan of this type of movie from this particular time period and all of that, because like, um, Emily, my lovely lady, she's not into the older films. Okay. Like she's just, she's just not, she's a product of her time. You know, she's only, um, she's 26 and she'll be turning 27 in, um, in August. And I think I told you guys that, you know, where she, she never really watched a whole lot of movies or anything before, um, me and her got together and she loves chick flicks. She, she likes, you know, movies like the notebook and, and stuff like that. And we were sitting there talking about movies one time and all of that. And she was talking about how much she really liked the notebook, which I've seen the notebook. It's okay. But, um, you know, I, I was like, I was like, you know, you really need to, to watch some other like romance movies or something like that. Like there, there's a lot more out there than just a freaking notebook. And she asked like, what, like what kind of suggestions? Cause I watch all kinds of movies. I watch, you know, chick flicks, romance comedies and all that kind of stuff. Like I don't, I do not discriminate when it comes to a film. If the premise seems interesting to me, I'm going to watch it. Like that's just, that's just all it is to it. I don't, I don't care. But, um, I mentioned Titanic to her. Titanic is one of my all-time favorite movies. I'm a big fan of it. I've seen it for like anniversary screenings. I've seen it on the big screen. I own it on Blu-ray and all that. Like I legitimately love that movie. And so I told her, I was like, you know, before the notebook came about, there was another film that was pretty much known as like the big romance chick flick movie that was out there. And she's like, what's that? And I said, Titanic. And she had heard of Titanic, but she had never seen it. And so she's like, well, I haven't seen that or anything. And I was like, okay. And so I started telling her just a little bit about it and all that kind of stuff. Like stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Kate Winslet, directed by James Cameron and all that. She didn't paint, she didn't give much of a hoot about who James Cameron was at the time. But thanks to dear old Mikey right here, I've introduced her to many James Cameron films in the years that she and I have been together. And now she is also a fan of James Cameron's work. But, um... Anywho, she said, when was the movie made? And I said, it came out in 97. I said, 96, 97, something like that. And she said, oh no, I can't watch that. It's too old. And whenever I tell you I about had a heart attack right there on the spot, I about had a heart attack right there on the spot. Like 1997 is too old for you. Like, that's, you, you know, like, I mean, it just, it is, it, it, uh, no, it just, it blew my mind. And so finally, you know, there's been times where she and I will, um, <clears throat> like I want her to watch a movie or something like that. She's not too keen on watching it, but we're both very competitive individuals and she'll say something or whatever. She'll challenge me to some kind of game or something like that. And she'll be talking all kinds of smack. And so I'll sit there and be like, you know, put your money where your mouth is. Let's, let's make a bet. And she was like, okay, let's make a bet. You know, and she, her thing is like, okay, what do you get if you win? You know, she'll say like, well, if I win, you have to do the laundry and the dishes for a whole month. And I'm like, okay, I'm perfectly willing to take that deal because I know I'm not going to lose. <laughs> I'm currently undefeated against her. <laughs> so, you know, like, <laughs> but, um, <clears throat> I'm like, okay. I was like, but if I win, and then that's whenever I make the, 
the regulation that if I win, she has to watch the movie that I've been trying to get her to watch. And at the time, I was like, Titanic is at the top of my list. And so I said, Titanic, you're going to have to watch Titanic. And whatever it was, it, it was, if it was a game or, you know, whatever, I can't exactly remember. Because we'll turn anything into a competition. Anything. I mean, she and I will, like, who can finish our drink faster? You know, I mean, I mean like, we're always going head to head with each other and all that. And, it, you know, it keeps things fun. It's fun. But, um, <clears throat> you know. So we watched Titanic, and they have we haven't even left the dock yet while watching Titanic. You know, like Leo, uh, Jack, and um, Fabrizio are making their way onto the ship. You know, they just won the poker game and all that kind of stuff, and they're trying to get onto the ship. And she asked me to pause it, and I pause it. And she's like, I love this movie. And I just look at her. I'm like, nothing's happened. Like, we got to see the prologue. We got to see the old woman start telling the story. We see them get on the ship. We see get introduced to Jack and them and all that. Like literally nothing has happened yet. Like, what are you talking about? And yeah, ended up watching the film and she considers it now her favorite movie of all time. She loves that movie. Like there's no tomorrow. And you know, the same exact thing happened with the mask of Zorro because I'm a big Zorro fan. I tried to get her to watch that one. It came out in 1998. She didn't want to watch it. Didn't seem like it, she was going to be interested in it. Let her watch the mask of Zorro. After it was over, I was like, so what do you think? She said, if I hadn't already seen Titanic, this would be my favorite film of all time. And, you know, I just look at her sometimes. You know, if you'd listen to me just once, just once, if you'd just listen to me, you know, you'd have an easier time. Like, you know, I've watched a lot of movies in my day. Like, yeah, I think I, I know, you know, even trying to separate, like, personal opinion... I know, like, what would what is going to be a good movie and what's going to be a bad movie. Like, just listen to me whenever I tell you, you know? <laughs> and so, <clears throat> anywho, uh, yeah, she is a product of her time. Um, the oldest movie I've let her watch was uh, the original Terminator film that uh, came out in the 80s. And then I let her watch Terminator 2. Uh, I've told her that the original Conan the Barbarian... Starring Arnold is on my list, but, I'm, you know, I don't know. That one's kind of, hmm. I don't know if she's going to be able to handle that one. But Conan the Barbarian is in my top five list of favorite films of all time. So I do want to introduce her to it eventually. But anywho, so like I said, yes, she is a product of her time. So she's not into watching films like black and white movies that came out in like the fifties and, and stuff like that, because she just, she didn't have hardly any exposure to it, which, you know, that, that makes sense. There, there's just some people out there. I know people my age that was not exposed to these type of movies growing up or anything. And then when they try to watch them, it's just like, Oh, they don't care for the acting style or they don't care for this. or they don't care for that. And all that kind of stuff, you know, like, and to me, I'm like, you know, it doesn't matter when the movie was made. If it's a good movie, it's a good movie. You know, one of my all-time favorite films is uh, Ben-Hur, starring Charlton Heston, came out in the 50s. It currently is tied in a three-way tie for the most Academy Awards that a film has ever held. And it was number one for decades. I can't remember how many Academy Awards it is. It's 14, 15, something like that. It's a lot. Like, it held the record for the film with the most Academy Awards ever won. It eventually got tied by Titanic, and they held, they jointly held that title. And then it got tied again after Lord of the Rings The Return of the King was uh, released. So it was a three-way tie between Ben-Hur, Titanic, and Return of the King for the films that have won the most Academy Awards of all time. But... The one that held that title for the longest was made in the 50s and stars one of my all-time favorite actors, Charlton Heston. So, you know, to me, it doesn't matter what time period the film came out in. A good movie is a good movie. Simple as that. But anywho, sorry for going on that little rant. Anywho, Curse of the Undead came out in 1959. It's only 79 minutes long. So, you know, it would, it's, like, it's not going to take you long if you decide to watch it. And everything. It's not going to take long at all. About an hour and 20 minutes or something like that. It is a horror western. It is directed by an individual by the name of Edward Dean? Dine? I don't know. It's spelled D-E-I-N. So it's either Dean or Dine. But um, from what I read, 
and I'm not jumping into the full production of the film or anything. I'm just giving you guys some some information. It started out as a joke. Like the the director had a wife that was also in show business. You know, they would also they would write movies together and all of that. And it started out as a joke. Where they were basically like, oh, let's do a vampire western movie. Ha ha ha, that'll be funny. And, you know, and all that stuff. Well, here's the thing. A, univer a producer from Universal International found out about the idea. Just found out about the joke. And he called him and was like, we're making this movie. And they were kind of like, dude, we were just playing. Like, you know, we're, it's not legit or anything like that. Like, I don't care. We're making this movie. So they wrote it and they ended up, you know, directing the movie and all that kind of stuff. One thing that the movie is really, that makes it stand out again for like vampire films. Um, not so much for this time period because it wasn't as common yet, but there's going to be a lot of people that think they know like vampire lore pretty decently. And if they were to go and actually watch this movie, they're going to be like, there's so many things about this. that doesn't make sense because this movie actually, decided to go with a lot of the old European folklore as far as, like, what the vampires do and how they act and how they move and all of that kind of stuff, as opposed to the Hollywood version of vampires that we ended up getting from Bela Lugosi's uh, Dracula and all of that. Like, a lot of what we know from vampires now originated from the Universal movies, as well as, like, it's been expanded upon here and there, you know, up to this day, with other TV shows and novels, comic books, and things like that. And there's so many things that's been incorporated to the vampire lore and all of that stuff that it just did not exist in the original European folklore. Like, for example, a lot of people, like, you know, they really firmly believe that, like, when you think Dracula... You know, there's certain things that when Dracula, and I mean like classic Dracula, whenever he pops up into your mind, there are certain things that like immediately start to click together. And, you know, one thing might be, well, he wears a cloak. One thing might be that he really talks in like that Transylvanian accent. But most people, if you ask them, like what are the top three, well, you know, let's say top five. What is the top five things that you associate with Dracula, and not necessarily just Dracula, but also vampires in general. A lot of people are going to say bats, or at the very least, that they transform into a bat. That is a Hollywood-created thing. It was not part of the original European folklore or anything like that. Like, it was done for film, and it just simply caught on. And a lot of times in a lot of movies and things like that that feature Dracula, they do have it to where Dracula is the only vampire that can transform and things like that. And other vampires are just simply, you know, they got super strength, they got super speed, which again, that is completely fabricated and made up in the original folklore. They were not super strong. They did not have super speed or anything like that. That's why if you watch a lot of these old classic films and you see the hero that's going to fight the vampire or something like that, they're, they're deadlocked. A lot of times it's a pretty even fight that they're having because a vampire was just a normal person. Just he had to suck blood in order to live. Another thing that they really changed that could throw a lot of people for a loop in all of that is that the vampire in this film is unaffected by sunlight. I know that that throws a lot of you for a loop because in the original European folklore, sunlight had zero effect on vampires. They were freely able to walk around during the day. It was not a big deal at all. Like, you know, it's just later interpretations added that to it, and now it's just pretty much become synonymous with what we think about with vampires. They can only operate in the shadows, they can't go out into the sunlight or they're burned to a crisp, you know, things like that. In the original European folklore, sunlight had no effect on vampires whatsoever. Um, another thing that they change, or not necessarily that they change, but they kept with the original folklore and all that, is that this vampire did not become a vampire due to being bitten by another vampire. Like, he became a vampire because he committed, um, you know, spoiler alert, and he, and also for any children that's listening to this, um, about to 
you know, mentioned something that parents might find to be a sensitive subject or something like that. But um, he becomes a vampire because he committed in the doctrine and lore of this film as well as Christianity. He created the... Uh, created. He committed the mortal sin of suicide. And because he tried to commit suicide, because I'm not going to say what happened in the movie, but he did something, he felt super guilty about it, he tried to kill himself. And because he tried to kill himself in the film, he was transformed into a vampire. And it's very much rooted in Christianity, that like because he committed this mortal sin, he pretty much became a servant of the devil and all of that kind of stuff. And now we're to the point to where the only way that he could die was by having a wooden stake driven into his heart and I'm not going to tell you guys how he dies that's not how he dies he dies at a pretty a pretty unique death to be honest with you it was something pretty cool but uh, I'm not going to say what that is or anything but um yeah that's how he becomes a vampire in this film and because that was a legit concern for people back then in the original European folklore that if people committed suicide, they were afraid that they were going to come back as a vampire because they committed like the highest sin that you could commit suicide was considered to be. And still to this day, to many Christians and followers of like the Christian doctrine and all of that, suicide is com considered to be like the highest of the high whenever it comes to sins. And the reason why so many people, I've had, I've had discussions, you know, like, look, I grew up Pentecostal. I've had lots of religious discussions, you know what I mean? So the reason why so many people consider it to be like the tip top, you can't get any worse than this type of sin is because it's the one sin that it's impossible to ask forgiveness for. You know, the Bible does say that no sin shall enter the kingdom of God and all that. And so any other sin that you do, you know, God is forgiving and all of that kind of stuff, according to the doctrine. And any other sin that you commit, you can get down on your knees. You can repent for it, repent for the, you know, remission of sins and all of that kind of stuff. And you'll be forgiven and you're good. You start over with a clean slate and all of that kind of stuff. Suicide, you can't do that because you, you, you killed yourself. You cannot ask for forgiveness. And so it was considered to be like the, the worst of the worst. Like if it was basically a ticket to the fire. And there's a lot of people that still believe that to this day. But back then, you know, they were really adamant about it. That like suicide was the single worst thing that you could do. And so it was a genuine concern and fear back then. Especially during the ancient European folklore and all of that kind of stuff. That if someone committed suicide, that the devil would take hold of their souls and use them for something. Because they're not going to make it to, to heaven. So he's going to use them for something. And it was a genuine concern that they would come back as a vampire. So much so that in order to try and stop them from, from coming back as a vampire, people that were killed or that died via suicide back then, they would be buried at a crossroads because the road forms a cross and they felt that having them buried on that site with the road itself forming a cross, that would be enough to keep them from rising up from the dead and coming back as a vampire, you know. There's a lot of funny superstitions whenever you really, you know, there's that like, well, if somebody committed suicide, we have to bury them at a crossroad to keep them from coming back as a vampire. There are certain places, like no joke, you know, you can look this up. There are certain places that whenever people would think that someone was going to come back as a zombie, whenever they would bury them, they would put a metal cage around the, uh, the grave site. Like if they couldn't afford like the big, like concrete, thing to be on on top or whatever they would put like a metal cage on top of the uh the grave so if they came back as a zombie and climbed their way out of the ground they would still be trapped I, i've never verified this you know like a lot of graves 
you know, they have like that big concrete or that big stone that, you know, they have the headstone, but then they also have that big concrete thing laying over like where the casket would be. I wonder if that's rooted in that, if that tradition is rooted in that. I'm, I'm going to look that up after I'm done with this. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in that now. Okay. But anywho, so yeah, superstitions were, were funny back then, you know, they would, they would go to great lengths to try and keep something from potentially happening after somebody had died to keep them from coming back as a vampire or a zombie or something like that. But, um, let's talk about the soundtrack for a minute. Very classic, like horror themed type music that was in the film. Very, very classic, you know, like it didn't really, you know, a lot of Western films back then, they had like a very distinct type of soundtrack and so did horror films. Now, this one is kind of a good mix, kind of a good blend of both types, but it definitely leans more towards horror because the film is 100% intended to be a horror film. Eh, well, I did look up that it was also intended to be a satire of like the vampire films that were coming out and all of that, but I really can't tell. Usually you can tell whenever you watch something, like if it's meant to be a satire or something like that. This didn't feel like a satire. Like it legitimately felt like no, they they tried to make a horror film, and they did pretty good. Like, the soundtrack uh, was pretty good, like, good classic soundtrack, like, very high, squealy-type things to, like, give you, like, a jump scare or something like that when something would happen. Like, it was, you know, very very good soundtrack, in my opinion. The imagery was pretty good with, um, like, just a lot of the uh, cinematography and all of that I felt was was very good, set the mood for a lot of things and all that stuff. Very, very good. Um, this particular, I don't know how to, I guess, frame or rate or whatever that Tubi has, you know, whenever you start at the movie, a little thing for Tubi, or was it on Pluto? Because originally I thought it was on Pluto and I searched for it and I couldn't find it. And uh, so it was either on Tubi or Pluto. They they said that, you know, they have the highest quality that they could possibly find. And this film is, it was decent enough quality. Like, it was a little fuzzy here and there in certain places. Sometimes whenever, like, you know, because of the lighting, if it was going to be kind of dark, like, it would be a little bit more fuzzy than other scenes and all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, it wasn't terrible. It was a good watch. It was, it was definitely worth the watch. Like, I really enjoyed it. Uh, thank you, Jason, very, very much for recommending this film to me. I already texted a number of my friends and was like, dude, one of my listeners, like, suggested this film to me. And it, it's really good. And I feel like that they would enjoy it as well. And so I've already, I'm trying to set up for them to come over here to the house so that we can watch the movie and talk about it. And all that kind of stuff. It was a very unique film. It was a very good film. I really, really, really enjoyed it. So again, thank you, Jason, for suggesting it to me. I, I very much uh, appreciate it. it. It was a very good movie. But again, if you're not a fan of like these old classic movies, you're. I don't know if you're going to enjoy it. Like you have to already kind of have an appreciation for these older type films. And all of that. And I know what some of you are saying. You're sitting there like, oh, well, you know, I watch old classic kaiju films like Gamera and Godzilla and all that kind of stuff and everything. Like, yeah, you do. But, um, like, because I know that Gojira came out in 1954. This film came out in 1959. But, you know, there, there's a big, massive difference in how a tokusatsu kaiju film in the 50s was made versus a Hollywood Western slash horror film was made. Like, you know, they're two entirely different types of genres. And you can love one and despise the other one, you know? Like, I don't know. So just, if you do go to watch it, again, it is on Tubi. It is called Curse of the Undead. Came out in 1959. Has some really good poster artwork. Like, it's just, you know, it's a good movie. If you decide to go check it out, just... Be prepared. You're going to be watching a very, like, you know, a dated movie. So just prepare yourself for that. And once again, thank you, Jason, for suggesting this film to me. It was very, very enjoyable. Uh, yeah. Thank you. So, 
All right, guys, that pretty much does it for me talking about the curse of the undead. So, <clears throat> you know, I've said every other week I'm going to be talking about a movie that is suggested to me by one of my listeners and all of that. But, you know, I want to do it every week instead of every other week. So every other week I'm going to be covering a movie or a documentary or something like that. <clears throat> Like, so next Monday, I'm just going to talk about whatever, whatever I feel like talking about. Not really a movie or anything like that. And I'll just give you guys a little taste of it uh, today. Uh, I'm pretty much done talking about the movie. If you guys don't want to hear about, I'm just going to talk about a little, uh, uh, I went shopping yesterday and I found some treasures, like some figures and stuff like that. And I have a really cool story about a PlayStation 4 game. Uh, so if you feel like listening to that, by all means, stick around. If you only wanted to listen to me talk about the movie, then, you know, I'll, I'll catch you all Wednesday for the havoc, you know, but whatever. So anywho, um, so yesterday I pretty much decided that like in this, okay, hang on, I'm getting ahead of myself. So every other Monday, I'm going to talk about a movie or a documentary. On the Mondays in between, I'm going to talk about the kind of stuff that I'm talking about right now, because I do want to come out with three episodes a week, which could potentially lead me into doing four one day or anything, because I love doing this podcast, guys. I love it. I, I genuinely do. And, you know, whenever I talk about non-kaiju stuff and all of that, the episodes get just as many listens as my other whenever I talk about a kaiju movie and all of that kind of stuff, you know? So I know that you guys, apparently, for whatever reason, enjoy listening to me and, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to just branch out and talk about more stuff and all of that. So let me tell you, let me tell you guys uh, what I did yesterday. This will probably take about 10, 15 minutes or so. But anywho, so I decided, like, you know, me and Emily, we, we didn't sleep well. Last night, we stayed up pretty late because we were watching uh, 24. Uh, we take turns picking TV shows that we're going to watch and all of that. I believe I've talked about that before. We've watched uh, Friends was a suggestion of mine. She had never seen it. She, she really likes Friends now. And uh, I love Friends. And I'm just going to throw this out there. For people that badmouth Friends and like, it's not funny. It's one of the most renowned and well-known funny shows of all time. Every single cast member in royalties still get about $23 million a year because of this show. Like, you cannot find it funny, and that's okay. Personally, I don't find The Simpsons to be funny. I think The Simpsons is one of the most overrated shows that's ever existed. But it has made me laugh on occasion, but by and large, I'm like, I do not care about this, this show. So whenever people are like, friends, is it funny? I don't know why people like it. Okay, that's your opinion. Okay, but it's a very renowned show. It's It won many, many awards. It's still, like I said, in just royalties. Each actor of the main cast still makes 20 plus million a year from it. So that lets you know from reruns as well as merchandise sales and things like that how well the show does and all of that kind of stuff so again you cannot find it funny and that's perfectly fine but to sit there some people are so obnoxious about it it's like it's like they try to fight you or something you know like no you're wrong friends isn't funny and i'm gonna explain to you why and all that kind of stuff but then they're basic enough to sit there and be like i love the show you because it's like you know suspense thriller and you know and all that kind of junk like hush up <laughs> but uh anywho sorry to get off on that but we watched friends that was a suggestion of mine uh she had never seen it now she loves it then we watched, uh, I don't know in what order it was, we watched a show called Melissa and Joey that st stars uh, Melissa Joan Hart and Joey Matthews, I believe is his last name. Um, <clears throat> let's see. We watched the show Banshee. That was by my suggestion. Um, Sons of Anarchy. That was my suggestion. What was some other? We tried to watch You that I just mentioned on Netflix and everything. That's a garbage show. We made it through the first season and we were like, eh, it's okay. We made it about four episodes into season two and we're like, you know what the heck with this? We turned it off because it's trash. But, um, you know, so we attempted to watch that. Uh, she wanted me to watch Monk because she loves Monk. I'm not a fan of Monk. Didn't make it very far into Monk. Um, just finished watching, oh, Dexter. 
Dexter was a suggestion of hers. Uh, so we watched that. <clears throat> uh, the latest one that we did, my suggestion was that 70s show. And after we got done with that 70s show, we just went on ahead and watched season one of that 90s show. And, you know, moved on from that. And so her pick was 24. Neither one of us had ever seen it. It was suggested to us by friends to watch by the first episode. You know, I was like, eh, I don't know about this. You know, I'm not, mm, I need to give it another episode or two. After episode two, oh, I was in. And so was she. Like, we're, we're enjoying the fire out of it. We're, we're in like, we're on like episode 12 or something like that. And we're, we're really enjoying the show and all of that. So yeah, we had stayed up late, like watching, I'm talking like one o'clock in the morning, <laughs> watching uh, 24. And then we just kind of did some stuff around the house. Didn't end up going to bed till about two 30, three o'clock. And me, I'm an early riser. I woke up at like still at like five 36 o'clock or something like that. And you know, we took a nap, took us a nap, woke up and I was feeling antsy. I wanted to get out of the house and everything. So I told her I'm going shopping. It's been a while since I've just gone to a bunch of different places to go shopping and everything. So it took off, off I went <clears throat> and you know, went to target didn't really find anything there, which doesn't surprise me. I never really find anything at Target. Target's one of the most overrated stores in the world, and I'm not saying that because of the LGBTQ stuff that they're doing and everything like that. I've just never been a fan of Target. I'll tell anybody when people act like Target is just like a blessing from God as far as like supermarkets go and everything. I'm like, I never find what I'm looking for. I'll go to Target and I'll look for something, and then when I go to a, a employee, I'm like, hey, do y'all have this? They say, no, but go check Walmart. And so I said, okay. So I just started going to Walmart. Like, why, why am I going to go to Target if all they're going to be is a middleman, you know? Target, no, I don't, I don't care. Target has some model kits and a few cool collectibles and stuff like that that I like to get and everything. But other than that, yeah, I do not, I do not step foot. And I, I go to Target like maybe once a month. And even then, half the time, they, they don't have what I'm looking for. So <laughs> I went to Target. Big surprise, came out empty-handed, um, went to uh, a Walmart, what did I find there? Oh, yeah, 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 I found a Superman magazine, it's called The Story of Superman, and it pretty much chronicles um, the start of Superman in Action Comics number one from the 30s and goes all the way up to uh, Zack Snyder's Man of Steel, um, you know, or not really just Man of Steel, but you know, Zack Snyder's take on Superman in general and all that. So I got that. That was pretty cool. And so then I ran to Pineville, decided to go to GameStop, and I found um, a Winged Dragon of Raw Funko figure. Uh, I used to be real big into Yu-Gi-Oh! The Blue Eyes White Dragon is my favorite Yu-Gi-Oh! monster, and right under him is the Winged Dragon of Raw. So I found that, uh, that collectible and got that. That was pretty cool. And after I left there... We have a liquidation store here in town and, you know, I don't know where they get their stuff from or anything like that, but they, they already run their stuff pretty cheap and they've always got sales going on of like, you know, 50% off or buy one, get one free, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of times you go in there, you don't really find anything worth much and nothing, but then sometimes you go in there and like, holy crap, man, this is a lucky find and all of that. So I went in there just to see what all I could find and all that stuff, um, First of all, I got a Nat King Cole uh, Christmas vinyl record because I like Nat King Cole and I like a lot of his classic like uh, Christmas songs and all that stuff. So I got that uh, album for only like $5 or something like that. They had an alien figure. It's called a Xenomorph. It's called uh, the Runner Alien from the video game Alien Fireteam Elite. And so it looked pretty cool. The package itself was damaged, but the figure on the inside looked perfectly fine. And normally this is like a $36 figure because it's done by NECA and all of that. And, you know, NECA figures, they're way too proud of their stuff at this point in time. I can remember a time when NECA figures were $19.99. Now to find like the average price for a NECA figure is like $36. It's ridiculous. But, um, so it was like normally 36 bucks. They were already running the 50% off store-wide, but because the package was so damaged, they gave me a little bit more off, so I only paid $12 for it. And so, you know, I had my stuff up at the front, and I'm still looking around, and I found a box with some PlayStation 4 games in it. And so I was like, okay, let me look through here and see what we got. 
a lot of sports games, you know, like they had a lot of FIFA, like the soccer games and all that. They had some Madden games and all that stuff. A few Tom Clancy games, which I'm not into, you know, the Tom Clancy stuff and everything. As I'm digging around, um, I've, I've found, and I'm holding it right now, a copy of NBA 2K23. Now, I used to be real deep into the NBA whenever Jordan played. Like, all throughout the 90s. I lived and breathed for Michael Jordan and all that stuff. And, you know, now that LaFlop has been uh, eliminated from the playoffs. And it reignited the argument of who's the better player, Jordan or LaFlop. And if you guys can't tell because I keep calling him LaFlop, in case you were wondering, Jordan is the superior player. Just throwing that out there. But, anywho, I'm a big fan of Michael Jordan. I have, you know, I loved the Last Dance documentary that they did, which chronicles his entire career, really, but it really focuses on the final, like, 1998 NBA season uh, that he did, you know, whenever they won their, uh, the Chicago Bulls won their sixth championship. And so I loved that documentary. I have uh, a biography by him or on him, I have a book called The Jordan Rules, which pretty much chronicles this one series in particular whenever they were going up against the Pistons and all that stuff, and that the Pistons had specific rules for Jordan whenever he got out on the floor, and it was basically to stop him from trying to score because he was so dominant. And one of the rules was if he makes it to the paint, like to be able to do a layup or something like that, if he makes it to the paint, knock him down put him on the floor and they beat the snot out of Jordan in that game. And he just kept getting up and you know, it didn't work, <laughs> you know, just, just throwing that out there. I'd love to see LaFlop try to go through something like that. But, um, anywho, okay. That that's enough. That's enough little jabs at LeBron. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> like I'm sure he's got some fans out there, but you know, I'm, I'm sorry. But, um, anywho, <clears throat> So I look at the game, it's NBA 2K23, I haven't played an NBA game since like 07, 08, something like that, but I see Jordan is on the cover, and under the title I see that it's called the Michael Jordan Edition, and so I was like, okay, cool, and as I'm sitting there looking at the game, another customer come up kind of near, and he saw that I was looking at the games, and he said, oh man, I didn't know that y'all had games here and everything, and I heard an employee say all their games are currently $4.99. And so the guy asked, is that included with the 50% discount? And they said, no, they're just flat $4.99. So I'm holding the game. It's brand new. It's still in package. And I'm like, you know, I've been watching a lot of Michael Jordan stuff lately. Um, I've convinced Emily to watch The Last Dance with me. And all that, like, uh, I was telling her childhood stories about, you know, how I used to get so hyped up over Michael Jordan and all that kind of stuff and everything. I'm, I'm, you know, just been paying a lot of attention with Michael Jordan and all that lately. So I'm like, I'm holding a game. I used to play these games whenever I was younger. Uh, haven't played one since like 07, 08. It's a Michael Jordan edition. I like the cover of it and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, you know what to heck with it. I'll get it. I'll get it. So... Go up there, you know, get all the rest of my stuff and everything. Okay, let's let's check out. They ring up the the Nat King Cole album. They ring up the Xenomorph figure. And then the guy looks at the game and he kind of stares at it for a minute. And he looked over at like another employee who I assume was the boss, and he tried to get his attention, but he was helping another customer. So he went on ahead and scanned it. And told me, like, how much it is, you know, stuck my card in there, paid for it, and all of that kind of stuff. And after a while, the boss come back up to him and was like, what do you need? And he showed him the game. Now, they're both foreign. So, they started speaking in their native language. I couldn't understand what they were saying. And the boss yanks out his phone. It's a barcode scanner. He scans the game. And it apparently pulled up like what the game was worth or what it's selling for on other websites. And whenever I tell you this guy looked mad as a hornet, he looked mad as a hornet. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm sitting just standing there like, is there a problem? Like, is everything okay? You know, I'm waiting for him to give me my stuff back so I can leave. I've already paid for it. 
And I'm like, is there a problem? Like, what, what's going on? And apparently that game was misstocked. Because even though it is a liquidation place, and they run a lot of deals, they do have a section that is behind the counter, behind the cash register and all of that, for stuff that, like, the deals don't apply to it. Like, you pay, like, what it, you know, its regular value. And all of that. And they have it like behind glass cases and all of that kind of stuff. And apparently this game was supposed to be back there. But it got misstocked and got put in with the bin with the four ninety nine games. So me, just being me, you know, pretty easy to get along with. I can understand that mistakes happen and everything. And I was like, well, look, I said, depending on how much it is, I said, you know, you can give me my money back for it right here. Tell me what you actually want to charge for it. And if it's within a reasonable price on my end, I'll do it. You know, I wasn't going to pay more than 20 bucks for it. You know, just like it's an, it was an impulse buy. I'm into Michael Jordan right now. I might play the game once or twice or something like that and then never touch it again. I just, you know, it was, it was $5. I wanted it. Simple as that, you know, just for a collector's piece for, you know, for Michael Jordan stuff and everything, you know? And so he told me, he said, nope. He said, all sales are final. He said, you got lucky. And I thought, well, okay, whatever. They gave me my stuff and I left. And then I went to Books a Million and I found something at Books a Million. I found um, a, that's done by Super 7, like the little reaction figures. It's a 1954 Gojira that comes in with a little oxygen destroyer. It's about a four inch tall figure and everything. And so got that. That was pretty cool and all that. So I got all kinds of like nice little treasures and finds throughout the day. Well, anywho, so we get back home, you know, I show Emily all the stuff that I got. We, we do dinner. We're sitting here watching 24. She got up to go get a snack. And so I look over and I see the game. It has a sticker on it just from the, the logo of the store and everything. So I'm like, let me try to get that off. And so I'm sitting there trying to get it off and everything. And so then that's whenever it kind of clicks in my head. I'm like, how much is this thing worth? Or really, I was like, when did this game come out? Like, was it still like a 50 or $60 game or something like that? And so I looked it up and whenever I just typed it in, all I typed in was NBA 2K23. And it came out in September of 2022. And I was just seeing the regular version of the game, like the regular cover version. And it's being sold for like $20. And I'm like, that's hardly a reason to get upset about. And I'm like, well... Because I've got the Michael Jordan edition, maybe it's worth a little more. So I type up Michael Jordan edition. The very first site that pops up was for Amazon. And they have it listed for $96. I said, whoa. So I just hit the shopping tab on my phone. Walmart has it listed for over 100 bucks. Target has it listed for like 80 bucks, Like... Anywhere I was looking for, like, legit stores, GameStop and things like that, they had this thing listed for, like, at 100 bucks. So I got on eBay. Like, let me check this out. Let me get on eBay and look. Now, eBay was different. I saw a lot of people on eBay that still had it listed for, like, 60 bucks or 70 bucks. It was people that probably got an abundance of the game <clears throat> or something like that, and they're just, you know, they're trying, they probably paid... 20 bucks for it or something like that. So now they're trying to sell, you know, 60 bucks. They're going to make $40 off of the game. You know, it makes sense. But there were some people that also just had it listed for like $100 or something like that. And so in my opinion, I'm like, the game must have just hit like collector's status or something like that. Collector's item status. And for whatever reason, it skyrocketed in value. And so, you know, I showed it to Emily I texted my buddy Chris about it, you know, Kid Kong, texted him about it and all that kind of stuff. Like, dude, I just got a $100 game for five bucks. All because it was an impulse buy. And Michael Jordan, you know, uh, I'm just, I'm a Jordan fan and all of that. And I saw the game sitting there. I was like, I want to get it. So I did. And so, yeah, that, that was a pretty cool little find that I did. Um, you know, me and Emily thrift a lot. We go and we try to find little deals. And I love finding things that are high value that I get relatively cheap, like one other thing that I have, and I'm about to wrap up, guys, but uh, one other thing that I have, I have a horse statue. She and I went to a flea market, 
and it's about six inches tall and everything. It's just this real majestic looking horse, and it's like a, just a little porcelain statue, you know. Well, not porcelain. It's it's heavier duty than that. But um, like I saw it at the flea market, and they had it listed for forty dollars. Now it's Native American themed, and you guys know that because of my Native American heritage, because my granny is full blood Choctaw. I own a lot of Native American stuff. I have multiple tomahawks that are hanging up on the wall, like decorative tomahawks. I have dream catchers that are around the house that I'm not talking about, like what basic white girls put on in their house, you know, just because whatever, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I have them because it's like, I like the way they look. It represents my heritage and all that kind of stuff. I have multiple little paintings and things like that of Native Americans. I have lots of t-shirts with like Native American stuff on it and, ever, and all that. I'm very proud of my heritage. And so I saw this horse and, you know, like it's got like war paint all over it. Like it looks like it has feathers like tied up in its hair. Like its tail is braided and has like feathers up in its uh, tail. It has like a war shield on it and there's two wolf prints on the war shield. You can see on the side that like it has like a like a pipe, it has like a little bow and arrow holster and all that kind of stuff. Like, it's just a really cool looking statue. And so I saw the price of it and it's like $40. And I'm like, eh, I wonder if I can find that cheaper online. So I decided to look it up. And so I got it, you know, looked up the, um, the brand of it, like the line of it and all that kind of stuff. And this particular horse, I can't remember the entire line, but this particular horse is called like Spirit of the Wolf or Wolf Spirit or something like that. I can't remember. But so I, I typed all that into Google, hit search. Um, apparently, there's an entire line of these horses, and each one represents a different Native American tribe. Like they have a horse for the Mayans, they have one for the Aztecs, because yes, Mexicans are Native Americans. But uh, for the Aztecs, the Mayans, they had one for like the Inca, I believe. Um, the one that I was looking at was for the. Um, kind of like the forest Native Americans that live like in forests and stuff like that. They had ones for like the Plains Indians. They had ones for like various Native Americans that live in, that were around like in Canada and all that kind of stuff. It's a whole line. They had like maybe 10 to 15 different horses or whatever. Each one of them, not as a set, each one of them by themselves, just one is valued at like $200. Boy, I grabbed that horse. I said, I'm buying this. Emily said, how much is that? And I said, 40. And she's like, that's a little high, don't you think? I still had it pulled up on my phone and I showed her my phone. I said, that's what it sells for online. She said, go buy it. You know, so <clears throat> um, I brought it back home and it's currently sitting on a shelf. Um, there's a dream catcher behind it. There's a nice little vase that I have that uh, has like some Native American stuff on the vase. And two of my tomahawks are on the wall above the shelf. So, you know, that was a pretty cool little find, something that sells for like 200 bucks. I got it for 40. And now this game is listed on that in which this thing sells for a hundred bucks or it's listed at a hundred bucks and I got it for just $5. So that's really cool. So, all right guys. Uh, anywho. Yeah. So every other Monday I'm going to talk about a movie or something like that, that somebody suggests to me. And then on the other Mondays, I'm going to talk about this kind of stuff that I just got done talking about what I went out, what I found, and what kind of deal that I got or anything. And if you don't want to listen to it, hey, you don't have to. That's why it's a third bonus episode. If you're like, oh, I'm not interested in that, okay, don't listen to it. Just continue listening to the kaiju stuff and we're all good. Simple as that. But if you're on a long drive and you don't, you know, you just want to hear the sound of my wonderful voice or something like that, you know, by all means, go ahead and uh, check it out. So, all right, guys, um, two Mondays from today, two weeks from today, I'm going to be talking about the documentary Blackfish, which chronicles, and not just things that are in the documentary, but also just the mistreatment of orcas at the hands of SeaWorld. SeaWorld has been very controversial for many, many years. I'm very anti-SeaWorld and all that kind of stuff. So that's what I'm going to be talking about two weeks from today. So, alrighty guys, thank you all very much. Check me out on all of my social medias on Facebook. I'm Kaiju Carnage, Godzilla slash King Kong podcast. I have a Godzilla Ultima fan page on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. I am Cal, the Kaiju guy. So, alrighty guys, thank you all once again. 
Uh, this episode came out on Monday, so just two days from today, Wednesday, y'all be hearing from me for the weekly Kaiju Havoc. I have a few announcements to make for you guys and all that kind of stuff, so I hope you ca uh, stick around for that. And then also keep in mind, this Saturday, at the end of the week, I'm going to be talking about the real whale that inspired Herman Melville to write Moby Dick by the name of Mocha Dick. So, alright guys. Thank you all very much. You guys are the best. Wouldn't be doing this without you. This is Cal the Kaiju Guy, signing out.